ready to grow your business by building relationships online and offline? Are you looking for a system to attract new prospects and nurture your past clients? Maybe you're a business owner, a sales professional, or an entrepreneur. If you are, then great. Join me, Janice Porter, as we blast past your barriers to success and explore the power of relationships for your business. And welcome to the Relationships Rule Podcast. Welcome everybody to the Relationships Rule Podcast. I'm your host, Janice Porter, and I'm really excited about my guest today, Matt Johnson. Matt is a marketing agency founder, podcaster, and musician. Matt runs a podcast launch and production agency based in San Diego, an international team that helps business coaches, consultants, and thought leaders use done-for-you podcasting to attract an audience, build influence, and become micro-famous. Matt is the author of Micro-Famous and currently hosts the Micro-Famous webcast, or podcast, sorry. He is a frequent podcast guest and event speaker to audiences around the US, Canada, and Australia. And one last uh, comment before I bring Matt on, we don't need to be everywhere or be everything to everyone. We only need to be famously influential to the right people. Love that. Welcome, Matt. Thanks, Janice. First of all, that was one of the best intros I've ever got. Uh, oh. So yeah, I was going to say for uh, um, it's it's not an easy thing to do to introduce someone in a great way and then point out something personal that you liked about their their point of view and their belief system. Yeah, that's that's really fantastic. I appreciate that. Oh, that's so nice. Thank you. Well, I've um, as you saw, I've I've got your book in mm-hmm. the format and I'm going through it and there's lots in it um, that I've read so far that I'm interested in. The thing that I think really I want to jump into, first of all, is um, that I think we are on the same wavelength about there's uh, a comment that I saw, I think, on your official bio page that says, go relational, not transactional. And that's, oh, that's for your real estate podcast show. That's, you've got more than one podcast, I think, that you're involved in. Yeah, Yeah, that was, I think we did probably an episode about that. We talk about it quite a bit. Um, you, You and I both have that a lot in common. We've had people from send out cards, including the founder on our show, which is freaking amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I just, and I love that. I love that audience that buys into that point of view. You know, I, I attack it maybe tactically a little bit different through podcasting and then doing some of those, those relationship things on the back end. Uh, you know, people that I meet through podcasting and then building those relationships with things like thank you cards and personal follow-ups and things like that. So how I meet people might be a little bit different than how other folks in their business might meet people, you know, local events or, uh, you know, networking and things like that. But the principles are the same, you know, in terms of what, what I do behind the scenes to build relationships and push those relationships to the next level. And I think of things through that lens. And so everything that, you know, even, even in terms of the micro famous book, when you're building an audience, I think of a podcast as having a long-term conversation with an audience that builds a relationship, not as a way to churn burn, leads, you know, so I come at it, even in everything I do in sales and marketing, it's all through that lens of building relationships. Love it. And, and I know for me, I just had a conversation actually with another podcaster the other day who wants to use send out cards and he, and I had spoken before and he reached back out to find out more about it and how he was going to use it. And he brought up that same point that the podcast is such a beautiful starting point 
from which to build relationships. But generally speaking, most podcasters don't. They just move on to the next. And so, and it's something that, that I realized that I know I always sent, by the way, did you get my card? I think so. Yeah. I sent you a card saying, Hey, I'm looking forward to you being on my podcast. Yes. And, um, and I, um, and that's thanks to Jessica. I'm going to give her a little bit of credit because I asked her to get your address for me. <laughs> she did. <laughs> yeah, and she did. She's great. And yep. um, we've built a relationship already. I love her. She's great. Yeah, she is awesome. Yeah. That, that's my, for anybody listening, that's my head of guest booking and guest relations. She does all the guest booking for our clients' podcasts that we produce and, and also produces my show, Real Estate Uncensored. Excellent. Yeah, no, she's, she was great. So, um, so that's a really, really big piece that not only... Do you meet people um, and get to know them through interviewing them or having conversations with them? But you can make that go further by nurturing those relationships, however you do it. Now, do you ever, have you been in the podcasting um, realm long enough? Do you ever bring people back for a second interview? Do people do that? Oh, yeah. It's pretty frequent. I mean, we started the show back in 2015, so we're having people... Jeff Cohn, Jeff Latham, people like that have been on the show now going on three times. Chris Noggle, I think, is on episode four of okay. <laughs> being on our show. Yeah, it's a, it's a great way to build a relationship. It's um, it's only something you can do every six to 12 months, and they've got to have enough content or something new coming out to to promote. So if you're, you know, if you want to get on podcasts on a consistent basis, you do want there to be kind of a rest period between yeah. appearances. But if you're looking to build relationships, absolutely. That's a great, like, repeat guest appearances happen all the time. Yeah, I, I, I follow, um, subscribe to Lewis Howes because I love listening to his questioning techniques and stuff mm-hmm. and so on. And he's done, he does that. He'll say that, you know, this is the third time this person's been on my podcast over X number of years. And so I, I do see that. So I want to ask you um, about Microfamous because um, I think that sometimes I see, I get drawn to realtors. I get drawn to mortgage brokers. They seem to be my people. Um, I do LinkedIn training as well as my podcast. And I teach people how to build relationships um, through using send out cards as well. And oops, is that me? Sorry, that was my computer. Um, (laughs) So uh, I find that when you, or when I have, the right people, as you call them, everything flows better. Yeah. But you get caught up or I get caught up in, you know, saying yes to other things that maybe don't feel as comfortable. Can you speak to that? Yeah, I think it's uh, one of the, one of the best questions that I stumbled upon. And I, and I asked myself this question and it gave me a lot of clarity was if one of my clients landed in San Diego and texted me and said, Hey Matt, let's grab a drink or can I buy you a coffee? who would I be excited to get that text from? And who would I not be excited to get that text from? And I started looking at my roster of clients and I'm like, you know, a fair bit of them, you know, but also clarified exactly who they were. Why did I want to hang around them? Why, why would I choose to spend free time hanging out with those folks? And who, what, and I started to dig into the characteristics of who they were. Mm-hmm. And I started to get clarity on who my ideal client is. So I started to realize things like, okay, well, it's not the thought leader who's 20 years deep into their career and has already spoken all over the world. Right. It's not somebody that isn't a thought leader. You know, I, I'm drawn to people that want to teach, train, and lead. 
It's that in between up and coming emerging thought leader, probably a little on the introverted side, you know, like I started to get clarity on all these things because I asked myself, who do I enjoy spending time with that I would do for free? Who am I passionate about helping? And so when you, I think everybody has an answer to that. If you've, if you've been in business for long enough, if you've been in real estate, if you've been in mortgage, you know what types of clients you like and which ones you don't. I think where, where it trips up most people is they're afraid to make the decision to start turning away people that don't fit that mold because they're afraid to turn away any business. And that's something that we right. all deal with. But I think if you start there, the secret is there, there is the, there's the, the seen and the unseen, right? Right now you've got somebody who's like, let's say they're, they're not a good fit as an ideal client, but they're asking you, Hey, I want to write you a check for your coaching service, or I want to sell, I want to sell my house through you. I know I live 20 miles away and I'm way out of the price range you normally work with, but I'd really love to work with you. And you're like, Oh, am I really going to turn down this commission check? And maybe in the short term you say yes to those and that's fine. But at some point you're going to have to turn that off because what you're not seeing is all the people out there that you're not attracting and not drawing because you're not clearly telling the world who you are for and who you aren't for. And that's what really gets like service professionals tripped up is they don't want to tell the world who their ideal person is. They want to tell the world, I work with everybody. And they think that gets them more clients. And what it ends up doing is letting them drown in the sea of sameness, right? They sound so much like everyone else. They do the same thing as everyone else. They work with the same people everyone else works with. And therefore they don't really magnetically draw anyone and so the little business that does come in, they grab onto that, not realizing that that's just the thing that's right in front of you. What you're not seeing is the 10,000 other people right. that you could be drawing, but you won't get specific enough to get their attention. So that's where I try to help people. Okay. So I'm thinking to my LinkedIn clients and mm -hmm. the ones I love to work with versus the ones that are more challenging for me. Mm -hmm. And yet um, in both cases, I think, and I say to myself that um, there's an overall umbrella that really works before I, before I take them on as a client, I'll say, you know, my approach or my values or whatever I'm, I'm talking about is like, I'm all about building relationships. And so I use LinkedIn as a tool for doing that. Now, if you're seeing it differently, then there's not a fit. Right. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. And that's, that's almost like it's a, it's a filter to get the right people in and expose who doesn't have that relationship mentality, which means they're not going to be a good fit to work with you. Um, and you can see it on your website. Like your website does a good job of reinforcing that too, so that you tend to repel the person that looks at LinkedIn as a churn and burn, just send a bunch of cold direct messages and just get me on the phone with people. And it's like, no, that's no, that's exactly. not, you're not for me. Like there's plenty of companies out there that will do that and you're happy to go find them, but your website's pretty clear about specifying that's not you. Well, that's um, good feedback seeing as my yeah. web, I was just talking to the guy that's now helping me with my online programming and he's trying to get me to redo my website because it's old and blah, blah, blah. And he's like, mm -hmm. but still the messaging. Okay. Right. And, yeah, and yeah. so, okay. But that then, um, like you said, it's a filter. So I guess I'm asking you in your world, do you think that, even if this person is like a wealth management consultant and these people over here who are realtors and mortgage brokers, they can both be my clients. It's the overall um, values that makes a difference. That's a really interesting marketing question. So the answer is yes, but, yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and I'll explain what I mean. So yes, but 
Yes, they can be your clients. And yes, you can serve multiple different industries. And I do, but I do have a problem and you have the same problem, which is that my ideal person for me is way more psychographic than it is a specific niche of people that they all agree we're going to call ourselves this. So if you, if you sell coaching, software, whatever, and you say, look, we're software for real estate agents. The real estate agents on the other end of that agree, oh yeah, that's who I am. I fit that group. I may not like you. I may not sign up with your software, but at least I know you're talking to me. Um, so that's easier. It's easier to define yourself by an industry niche that mm -hmm. everybody in that niche agrees we're all in that niche. Mm -hmm. When you as a service provider decide, hey, that's not really, I don't want to just work with any real estate agent, any mortgage or any homeowner, right? Mm -hmm. When you make that decision, you have to either create a new category that everybody else agrees that they fit into, or you just have to message and, and market yourself in such a way that you draw people that are drawn to your personality, your beliefs, your point of views. And it doesn't really matter what industry they're in. And that's you and I are probably in that same vein. I don't specify that most of the podcasts I've launched are in three or four different industries. Because what happens is through meeting those people, I end up getting referred out to people that are in interesting little sub niches that I would have never thought to go into, but the personality of the person is perfect. They're my ideal client. So I'm way more concerned with that. And so the way that I market myself is all about beliefs. It's all about the end goal of being micro famous because that's what attracts my ideal person. It doesn't matter to me what niche they're necessarily in. So if that's you, then it's all about the messaging and it's all about evangelizing the way that you look at the world and attracting people to look at the world the same way. And it's not about what industry they're in. So I think it absolutely can be done. It's just a little bit, you have to get really clear in how you market yourself. I feel good about what you just said good. because I, I find that I've had clients in certain conservative wealth management type industries that I've tried to help, but they didn't, they didn't, really get the relationship piece yeah I, I, it's kind of yeah. weird in that industry but I, it, well it is and that it may be more of an industry thing than a you thing because because i i worked with a partner years ago and helped build the back end of his business that took podcasting into the financial advisor world for the first time and we ran into some, some of those same things like look if this doesn't generate leads i'm not interested right it's like, hey, look, leads are awesome, but this is a long-term strategy. We're not going to see leads show up in your inbox tomorrow. If you want that, go buy Facebook ads. Mm -hmm. You know, if you want, if you want crappy leads that you have to sort through and sift through and send them through a call center and have a hundred phone calls to get one client like that, there's a system for that. It's just not ours. I, I noticed more of a predominance of that mentality in the wealth management world. And so that may not be a you problem. It may be just that that's where the industry is at. And that's okay. Yeah. Okay. That's that's a good point. All right. So in your book, um, in the chapter around your formula around weekly mm -hmm. podcasting, mm -hmm. um, you talk about uh, influencer conversations, success stories, and solo episodes. And as a podcaster um, who basically has an, what I call an interview show, I'm switching that now, I'm calling it conversations, uh, influencer conversations. I okay. love it. I love what you say about that and why you don't call it interviews. Can you talk, yeah. speak to that? Yeah, and I think there's there's a definite difference. Like listeners can feel the difference between the conversation that you and I are having right now where it's back and forth and I'm kind of you know throwing some things back to you. And it's not just a, I show up and here are the 10 questions I'm gonna ask. 
And it's not even a Oprah, let's dig into it and try to get you to say something you didn't plan to say or get you to cry or something like that. It's not even that. You know, when you when you look at, think about Barbara Walters, that's the example I give in the book. You know, Barbara Walters is a great, skilled, legendary interview. I have no idea what Barbara Walters believes about anything. Therefore, why would I go, I'm not going to go try to track Barbara Walters down and pay her for business coaching, right? All, all I'm interested in is maybe who she's going to interview again, right? The fact that she interviews people and she's a skilled interview, it does one thing and one thing only, and it's create demand for more interviews. And I think there's a trap there for anybody that hosts a podcast where it's an amazing way to meet people. It's an amazing way to build relationships, but the audience, if they listen to that and the conclusion they come to is I'm looking forward to the next interview not, I need to hire that person right away. I need that person in my life immediately. That is the wrong so response <laughs> you want so from true. that interview. Yeah. So, I've so the conversation that, that we're having, like you, you do, do a really good job earlier of kind of sprinkling in what you do in a very natural way to kind of set up a question. Perfect. Because then the audience is listening to us and yeah, they know what I do. And the spotlight is technically on me, yeah. but you also were able to tell the audience what you did and they, that might prick their ears up and go, well, I want to hire Janice. Like I don't really need Matt right now but I need Janice in my life. Let's, how do I do that? And that's exactly what your podcast should do for you. Um, so yeah, that's why I say at the interviews, you need more of a conversation. It's a conversation with a fellow influencer. It's a back and forth. You are peers. You're not, it's not you as the host down here and the guest is way up here. Um, you're equals. You want the, you want that, you want people coming away going, this is a conversation between two colleagues talking inside baseball, so to speak on what they do not that's Janice interviewing Matt because Matt's way up here. And then Matt's the only one that gets any of the spotlight. Well, let's take that a little bit further because I've had that experience. And mm -hmm. what I found uh, happens is uh, the person that I interviewed, they're gone. Like, uh, and you send them all the, in, all the information when the podcast goes live and you hope that they'll share it with their, you know, 50 million followers and nothing like they're yeah. gone. Right. <laughs> so I, I'm curious, like, um, why did they bother? Number one, if they're not mm -hmm. going to use it and put, cause I'm hoping that you'll put my little relationships rule piece on your website. Like you have the other, mm -hmm. um, podcasts that you've been on because I want to be part of your world in that yeah. sense. Um, that's not why I'm interviewing you or having a conversation with you. Um, but it's a, it's a side benefit. Yes. It's yeah. I think the question is that, and a lot of people fall into this trap too, of thinking that the key to growing their podcast is to have the biggest guests with the biggest audiences possible. And I think they don't realize just how busy those people are. And, you know, some of them have good systems for sharing podcasts that they've been on and some don't. And that's just the reality. So, you know, we've had clients that have had, uh, you know, Grant Cardone on their podcast, didn't move the needle. Grant showed up late, busy, other stuff on his mind. Not a great podcast guest, you know, like, so, so you think, oh, this is going to be great. Grant Cardone. Oh, whew, man, nothing happens. Right. Um, Cause Grant's on every podcast and, and they, he's got his own following. He's got his own stuff. He's got 50 million stuff of his own to promote. Right. You know, so I, I don't, uh, you want to have good people on who deliver good content and then you sprinkle in those big guests and what the big guests do more for you is build your credibility. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Especially if you have a conversation where you come out and the audience listens to that and goes, holy cow, like Janice is sharp. Those weren't just good questions. They were really well thought out questions that kind of revealed something about her point of view. And they're the types of questions that I would ask if I got a chance to sit down with that guest. 
and it makes them feel closer to you and makes them, it boosts their perception of you and your level of influence. That's the best part of interviewing a big guest. Whether the guest shares it on their side, can't control it. All you can do is make it easy for them, tag them as much as you can on your side that do the stuff that you can control and understand that one out of five big guests will actually go out of the way to share your episode with their audience and maybe get you some followers that way. It's more about what happens on your side. It causes your audience to go, Ooh, yes. Janice had so-and-so. Well, yeah. I need to listen to that episode. You know what I'm saying? It causes your yeah. audience to, to go yeah. out of their way to listen. Of course. So in your um, business now, how much of your time are you spending um, marketing your company, like the podcast agency versus mm -hmm. podcasting versus I got to ask you about being a musician too. That is a great question. So I run the agency in four hours a week. That's Tuesday mornings. Oh, I read that. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So the operations of the business is extremely systematized and I have very good people, very good systems. So I, it doesn't take me very long to like run the okay. operations of the business. So I would say the marketing of the business, because I have a biz dev guy doing some of the relationship building activities that I used to do on a daily basis on that LinkedIn Michael? and introductions. That's Michael. Exactly. Yeah. My God. So that's how we can. He's great. He's great. He's phenomenal. I love him. He's helping me build out the whole system. So anyway, um, so honestly, right now, a few hours a week, I record my podcast. I write the email that goes out to my list. Um, you know, I'm working on building the email list. So I, I spend some time with the Facebook ads guy because we're kind of slowly building up that system, kind of take the next step in the micro famous system and start building the email list. And other than that, it's mainly just getting interviewed. You know, I get interviewed on two to four podcasts a month. So um, I mean, some weeks I have heavy weeks, like next week I have three mm -hmm. podcast interviews across two days. Um, so that's, that's really the most time intensive part of like marketing my agency is just being interviewed, but it's also my favorite part. It's the most fun. So I don't spend my time doing stuff that I don't enjoy. You know, like when I'm doing the relationship part of the follow-up that Michael helps me with, uh, it's all the people that I've connected with through podcasting. So it's typically, we've had this amazing raw, authentic 45 minute conversation the first time we met. Mm -hmm. And then I'm following up on that and I'm making introductions to people and doing some of those things. And so it's, it's rarely, I don't get, I don't have to make cold calls. I don't have to send cold emails. I, you know, most of the time I don't have to send cold messages on social media to try to get people's attention. It's mostly uh, warm relationships. So how long has Michael been with you? Six months. Um, so he reached out by LinkedIn messaging. Um, I responded. We had a conversation on Zoom. Mm -hmm. He was such a nice young man that I got him connected to two people. I heard about that. Yeah. Did you? Yeah. yeah. So um, I just felt there was a connection. And when I really care about someone, I want to see how I can support them as well. Yeah, so yeah, that he has good instincts, I think. I think he was great. And I wanted to thank you for that because you've got a good guy keep him right until you until you can i was gonna say yeah, yeah. Hold, hold on to him as long as he can um we are system systematizing it to the point where and i think this is a good point for anyone that's listening like you don't relationship marketing is an approach but that doesn't mean everything has to be done by right. you right you know um like for example with send out cards like i have terrible handwriting so I have a little system with my executive assistant in the Philippines where she'll ask me and she'll say, Hey, like Janice was on the calendar yesterday. Would you like to send her a thank you card? Absolutely. And I send her a voice message of what I want that card to say. Nice. So it's personalized for every single person, but thank God it's not in my actual handwriting because <laughs> it's, 
And, um, and you know what, though? The beauty of send out cards is there's so many different fonts and some of them actually look like handwriting. So they do. And I do use one of those. So shh, yeah. don't tell anybody. Uh, <laughs> That's all right. They look like handwritten cards. Yeah. But yeah, it's just one of those. It's, you know, I, I could I could look at it and I could kind of try to grin and bear it. And I could go, yeah, but I need to send handwritten cards. I so know. I said, no, there's always a solution. Um, one of the biggest things I'm trying to get across to people, and the more I talk about like marketing for introverts, the more I get into this conversation, uh, is that we don't need to actually change who we are. We need to build better systems around us so that we can be who we are, but the stuff that needs to get done still gets done. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's what the whole microfamous system is about. You know, it's basically the system that I built around myself as an introvert to market and grow my business that I didn't have to change who I am. And, and everybody that I've talked to that is really like that just, they always hit their goals. It's not because they just grin and bear it and white knuckle it and keep pushing. It's because they build systems around them and the systems propel them to where they want to go. It's like a vehicle that they set foot into so that they don't have to change. They're just getting into a new vehicle. Well, I, I have to back up and just say to you, though, that the, the best thing about that send out course example that you just gave is the fact that um, that I tell people that say to me, well, I like handwritten cards the best. You know, it's not the writing. It's what you say. Yeah. It's how you make yeah. the person feel. You know, the Maya Angelou quote that I love the best, you know, it's not um, people will remember, people will forget what you've said, they'll forget what you've done, but they will always remember how you make them feel. And so that comes not from your beautiful script, but from what you say from your heart, right? That's really Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And and like for uh, just a quick example, like when I send those notes, you know, if I say like, hey, let me know if there's anybody I can introduce you to. That's not an empty gesture. And anybody that knows me knows that's not an empty gesture because I've made it part of my system that we repeatedly, systematically, week in and week out, look for opportunities to introduce the people that we've just met to the people that we already know. And so anytime I say that to somebody, unless it's somebody I've just met on LinkedIn or something, maybe that maybe it sounds like a platitude there if it's somebody I've literally just met. But if you know me, like if you've, you know, like after we have this conversation, we go through, like typically I'll ask the question at the end of a podcast interview after the recording is done, I'll ask them, who can I introduce you to? And we actually brainstorm together. And I'm usually able to make a couple of connections right off the bat. And so they know I'm serious. That's really special. And, but that also means to me that you are a pretty quick judge of character in a good way, (laughs) a good judge of character. No, because because yeah. I'm, I do that too, but I, I will only do it when I really feel that I can trust my, my uh, judgment in that m- my network is, is important to me and I don't want to, you know, treat it lightly. Mm-hmm. So if I say that, hey, Matt, you should meet so-and-so, um, I don't want you to be flaky on the other end. I don't want him to be, right, or whatever. So yeah. it's an important, um, I think, um, not an art, but it's it's important to be able to judge character in a way that is, you it know, is. I reflecting think, um, on you, right? It's a reflection on you. It is a reflection on you. Um, and that, yeah, there, there's a balance between making as many referrals and introductions as you can mm-hmm. and, and only making the few that really count. There's that, I think there's a good balance. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And pod, podcasting is one of those things that gives me an opportunity to, to connect people with very low risk. And that's one of the reasons why like before I wrote the micro famous book, most of what I got interviewed on was just podcasting being the new networking. Yeah. Um, and I, th- I still think that's true mm-hmm. because having a podcast or introducing people that, that to other folks that do, it gives you a way to connect people that you're like, I don't know where this is going to go. 
but I know you two will get along and one of you has a podcast. So just go, <laughs> go on their podcast. Let's, and let's see what happens. I've done that before. And it turned like, they ended up being friends. They ended up being business partners, like living in their house for a while, like all kinds <laughs> of weird stuff. Um, I met, you know, two of my best mentors over the years. I both met them through podcasting. Um, and so, yeah, there is a balance. You don't want to go overboard with your referrals. You don't want to give out so few that they're precious and you, it almost never happens. You want to hit that balance. And that's why it's good to have people in the podcasting world that you know, because then you can introduce people and it's a lot lower risk. And I think if you can, if you can find that, whatever that equivalent is, if you're in real estate, if you're in mortgage, yeah. you might need to find something other than podcasting maybe, because that's not big at the local level yet. It will be, but it's not yet. So find ways that you can introduce people to each other that's low, low risk. Yes. Okay. That's a good, that's good advice for people. So do you listen to many podcasts yourself? Mm -hmm. And so do you listen to specific um, uh, type of content? Do you listen to serial con uh, podcasts or just interview type conversation podcasts or people in I your say field? Mostly conversational. Okay. Uh, there's a couple of solo ones that I'll listen to. It depends on the content that I want. And, and mostly now I don't listen to a lot of other business podcasts. I prefer to consume business information by books because I can get it. I, I vacuum up books seven at a time and I can just get the information in quicker. Uh, so I listen to podcasts more for relaxation. So comedy, um, okay. NFL, you know, NFL analysis, you know, stuff like that. You can't get a book because it's, it's too current stuff, events. Right? All the important stuff. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, I'll listen to it. There, there's some really good ones. Like I like, uh, I like conversations. So again, it goes back to my thing. I'm not a huge fan of just interviews. So I don't listen to like John Lee Dumas and guys like that. They just have yeah. the same five questions for everybody. Yeah. Uh, I like to listen to folks where the people know each other. So a good example is when Tim Ferriss has somebody like Derek Sivers and Derek Sivers and I have the same uh, Myers-Briggs personality profile. Right. So Derek Sivers is a founder of CD baby and sold it off for like 20 million and then kind of went off and like introverted all over the world. Right. Um, they know each other. So Tim Ferriss asked really interesting questions and Derek Sivers gives really, really interesting Zen like answers. Mm -hmm. Right. So though that's the kind of stuff that I gravitate towards is I don't, I don't gravitate towards interview shows. I gravitate towards raw, authentic conversations where it's two people that are really smart having a really intelligent conversation where I know I'm going to pull a lot of life altering nuggets out of there. Okay. That's really good too. I'll have to check that one out. Um, so you're a reader, so you read business books. Mm -hmm. What, what are you reading right now? Mm. Actually, this is a really good one. <laughs> Perennial seller Hello. by Ryan holiday. Okay. Ryan, all, all of Ryan Holiday stuff is good. Um, yeah, um, some of the, the, the best ones that I've read, um, like 80-20 Sales and Marketing by Perry Marshall, The Business of Expertise, David Baker. Yeah, there's, there's I could go ad nauseum. All of Richard Koch's stuff on the 80-20 principle and Simplify and start the Star of Business and stuff like that. Um, the original idea for Microfamous came from the fact that I found myself recommending all those books. Most of them would not get read. And they would just, they, people would go, just, just tell me what to do. You know, I don't, I don't want to read a, a 250 page book to know yeah. what to do. And I'm like, okay. So it was my micro famous. Wasn't just my sharing my experience or what worked for me or whatever. It was my attempt to distill all the lessons that I had learned and applied from everything that I'd read that I found worked through hard experience of actually working with coaches and consultants in the trenches, growing their business. 
And I wanted to put that and it's essentially all the strategy stuff I've learned. I distilled into the strategy section, which is the first third of Microfamous because I wanted to give someone, you know, there's a book by Al Reese from back in the day called 22 Immutable Laws of Marketing. It's not a big book. It's, it's mm-hmm. like that thin. And it's just 22 laws, a couple of pages each, has mm-hmm. some pictures. It's one of the most brilliant books of all time. Mm-hmm. But it's a little old. It's, the examples are outdated. And people struggle with, well, these are all big company examples. How do I apply that to my own business? Mm-hmm. And so I noticed things like that. I'm like, I've got to solve that problem. So I wanted that the first third of Microfamous to be all modular type chapters where people can just flip open like I do with some of the books that I love mm-hmm. and just flip open to a chapter and go, yes, and just get that perspective shift and then walk away and implement it. And it's not a tactic. It's not something they have to do. It's more of a mind shift. And, and most of what I talk about with Microfamous is all the stuff you can stop doing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not about doing more. It's about doing the right things and doing fewer of them so you can focus on getting them right. And there's a lot like you know it as well as I do in real estate, mortgage, financial services, all those places, like we are hit with a never ending barrage of you should buy this. And if it just paid to get you one commission check, it's worth it and all this stuff. And so I see a lot of people get caught up in that hamster wheel of always doing more and listening to podcasts, you know, looking for more things to do. I don't, I don't want to give people more things to do. You know, it's funny, this reminded me of a woman I spoke to yesterday, a, lot, a couple of times actually over the last couple of days, she's looking to get some help with LinkedIn. And she is, she keeps saying that she was just this. And now she's mm-hmm. going out on her own as a consultant in the business world. And, and uh, she said, I, I just want you to know up front, I do not want to buy another course that I spend hundreds and thousands of dollars on and I end up I have to do it all myself because it doesn't get done and she's I felt so badly for her and yet she wanted to buy my top of my my programs right away and I said look I said let's just do this and if you think that what I'm doing with you is going to help you then we'll move forward I couldn't do it because I she was so skeptical about um, what she had bought in the past and so as much as she was ready and, and trusted me, I wanted to make sure that she was. I don't know yeah. if that's the right thing to do or not, but in my heart, it was definitely as a human the right thing. Yeah, yeah I, I, think, I think we look at it and go, well, that's the right thing to do as a human being, but yes. not the right thing to do business-wise. I think that's wrong too. Jay yeah. Abraham's book set me free from that. You know, when Jay Abraham talks about the strategy of preeminence and taking on the role of being, an, um, taking on the role where they are the client and a client means someone who's under the care of another right? So if you treat someone as a client, there's someone under your care, Mm -hmm. then if they come to me for a result and they want to buy my top of the line, whatever, but that's not going to give them the result that they want, then I don't sell them that. If they want to, if they come to me and they want to buy the bottom of the line thing, but what they really need is the middle, then I'm not going to sell them the bottom. I'm going to try to sell them on the, I'm going to try to basically take care of them and do what they, what's in their best interest. What his point was in that book that really set me free is that in the end, that gets you a better reputation and a deeper level of influence in your industry that attracts more people to you than if you just churn and burn. And so in the end, the person who is that treats people like that actually wins in the end. You get more business by of being known course. as that. Of course, it makes um, sense. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so if, if you're, if you feel bad for turning people away, you know, when they want to hand you money and you're like, this is not going to get you results. To me, that not only tells me you're a good person, but also it, it just, it's in your best long-term interest as a business person. Yeah. Um, and I'll give you a practical example from my, um, my co-host on the real estate side. His dad has been in, in a realtor for 40 years, East Bay, 
in San Francisco. 25 years ago, somebody came to him and said, hey, we want to list and sell our home. And he looks at the numbers, looks at the market and goes, I don't think you should sell. Like, I would love to work with you. You're awesome. I'd love the commission check. It's great. I've got a family. I've got three kids to feed. I would love to work with you, but you should totally sit on this and not sell. They didn't sell for 25 years. They came back to him 20 some years later, said, now we're ready. We're moving to Texas. We want you to list our No, there is no other option. You are listing our home and you're selling it. And they ended up making $1.3 million in cash. They went to Texas and bought two houses with cash because of that one piece of advice they took. And that one hit that he took on not getting a commission check that back in the would have been three grand in 1980, yeah. he ended up making a huge commission check because later they came back to him. And, and so, you know, we don't always see the results come back to us from the same exact person. Well, and that, you know what I want to ask you know? to that is, did he stay in touch with them yes. all that time? Because 100%. if he didn't, they wouldn't have. Right. Yes. And they do all the, all the things, you know, dropping C's candy off at the houses, emails, videos, client events, client parties. They did all the right things to keep that relationship going. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's really awesome. There's lots of stories, send out card stories about things like that as well, which is kind of fun. So I probably should have asked you this earlier in the conversation, but um, I want to know when you decided, when you learned or knew or did you always know that you were an introvert? Yes, because in back in the day, I was even more of an introvert. Uh, I learned how to turn it on. And the bigger revelation was just within the last couple of years of realizing I don't need to pretend to be an extrovert. That this is that, that I had found a system that allowed me to market and grow the business without pretending to be something different. So in the first couple of years of the business, yeah, I knew I was an introvert, but I looked at it as a weakness that needed to be fixed. And so I grinned and, you know, kind of got white knuckled it and tried, you know, I tried everything, um, you know, launched an Instagram account, you know, all this other stuff uh, and just realized progressively over time that not only did that not suit me and there were specific reasons why, but also it wasn't necessary. And so that was really the bigger revelation is I knew it was an introvert, but I looked at it as a disadvantage. And then I realized, no, the fact that I can relentlessly focus on one thing at a time and just keep building and building and building while the, in, while the extroverts are flitting around from one thing to another scattered and chaotic and all this stuff that works for them. They love it. That didn't work for me. And I couldn't force myself to be that, but I thought I had to. So the big revelation was realizing, no, I don't have to force myself to be that way. I built a system that now works to where I don't have to do any of that stuff. I can just be who I am and the system grows the business. So that was more of a bigger revelation for me. The, um, the misconception too that happens, I think, and I just was reading an article in the local paper about we're basketball family more than football. I had to say, yeah, that's, all right. but, that's, a, that's my second favorite sport. Okay. I, can, I can get there with you. So there was an article about this young woman who plays for UConn, mm-hmm. which is one of the top female yeah. colleges, right? For basketball. And she is, I guess, one of their best players, but she's a complete introvert. And she is a listener and a watcher. And then, um, so what I'm getting at here is my daughter played basketball. My daughter is also an introvert based on what this uh, definition sort of was in this article that I read. And I think there's a misconception often that people are, that are shy versus introversion, being an introvert. Yes, that you are hundred percent right. Shy does not, uh, introverted doesn't automatically mean shy. Right. If, right. if I, you know, it's funny because I've said, uh, 
I've mentioned something about like marketing for introverts in certain contexts. And the person would be like, well, introverts can't be good at marketing. Like that's, and I'm like, well, what are you like massive extrovert? I'm like, surprise, <laughs> surprise that you would think that, right? Because extroverts have a negative connotation of what an introvert is because introvert to them means shy, yeah. not willing to take a chance, right? Introvert means one thing and one thing only. And this goes back to, you know, work that was done in the sixties, which is introverts have to do with where you get your energy from. Right. You, are you energized by, by being outwardly focused and talking to people or are, are you in really focused and you need to like refresh and recharge to get your energy back? And the best question for that is if you take, uh, if you have to drive somewhere for an hour, do you reach for the phone to call somebody or do you crank the music and want to get lost in your thoughts? I want to crank the music and get lost in my thoughts. I don't want to, I don't want to even want the phone in the car other than just to play my music. And I will right? go to the phone. And you'll go to the phone. Yeah. yeah. So that, so to me, that's a pretty good little indicator yeah. that you're a, you know, on the extroverted side. And the only question is how it's, yeah. it's, it's a spectrum. It's like how much, right? You can be a super relaxed, natural extrovert and, and come off as shy. Mm -hmm. But if you get your energy from being around people, you're an extrovert. And that's, that's the definition. Mm -hmm. And the problem with like social media right now and building relationships, you know, like just through content right now is that social media companies has a, have effectively decided, Hey, introverts, we don't need you. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. if you're not going to be a social butterfly, if you're yeah. not going to take 15 selfies a day, if you're not going to create content and engage in real time, mm -hmm. we're just not interested in you. Like that's what we have defined as success on so on social media. And so yeah, I think people we're going to see more and more introverts especially now mm -hmm. start to struggle with building their business and reaching people online, not because there's something wrong with them. It's because mm -hmm. of what social media companies have decided that they want. They want a certain kind of content and it doesn't suit what introverts are really good at doing. So that's going to be, and that's, that's part of why I'm so passionate to like talk about this and, and like show people there's another way to do it mm -hmm. because we're going to start seeing more and more of like introverts beating themselves up because they're going, man, like one of my friends just built a hundred thousand follower account on Instagram in like six months. One of my clients said, said that to me the other day, he's in the mortgage business. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, one of, my, one of my friends just did this. Should I like hire an agency to help me do that? I'm like, is he an extrovert? Oh, huge extrovert. I'm like, well, there you go. There's your answer. So are you going to be able to emulate what he did? Probably not. So my daughter try? did the same thing the other day. Yeah. She, she's so much. She said, she said, how did they do that? How do they have this following of blah, 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 blah. And in fact, it was, um, I was listening to Lewis Howes interview this young 21 year old. I think he is mm -hmm. huge influencer. Um, and I can't, I didn't finish it because I, and so I can't remember exactly, but, um, my daughter said, yeah, I want to be able to like, how, but you'll never do that because you won't even go on Facebook. You get mad right. if I put, you know, your daughter's picture on Facebook. So, <laughs> right. yeah, so it's got to be. We get pressured. We get pressured yeah. into it because yeah. we think, yeah. and especially in business, we get pressured into it thinking that's the only option. That's the only, like, it isn't. There, there's this misconception that marketing is social media. Someone asked me one time here, not that long ago, like, you're not like, I see you're like, you're on Instagram, but you're not really active there like what, yeah. what's your excuse man you're in marketing i'm like i'm in marketing that's why i don't waste my time being active on instagram because i know what the f i'm talking about yeah. um that's why i don't spend my time there and but that's the perception it was a good example of just how how ingrained in the people that is that if like marketing equals social media yeah. that's never been true uh and it's still not true today so if, if if people are listening and they're wondering well what are the other options i mean podcasting is one of them like yeah. i would say base your entire marketing plan off of podcasting if you're an introvert because it's going to go way better for you um but over the long long run there will always be an ecosystem 
where introverts have an advantage. Right now, podcasting is that ecosystem. That's why I pushed so hard. But 10 years from now, 15 years from now, that may be different. But the principle will be the same. Introverts don't need to change. We just need to find the ecosystem where our strengths are strengths and not weaknesses, where there's not another company standing between us and our audience going, yeah, I'm not really going to let you reach all of your people. You know, like, mm, I don't really like that kind of content. Um, you know, we, we, really want to, we really want you to post about the meals that you had and ask people what they think and get more yeah, opinions. Exactly. That's the only thing that matters, right? <laughs> right? And, you know, it's funny because, you know, when you are lit, you're li- you lit, light up when you talk about your book, when you talk about your philosophy, when you talk about your methods and um, ideology and all of that stuff around it. So you don't come across as an introvert, as people see introverts. So I I just find it fascinating and and so enjoyable having a conversation with you. I've overstepped my bounds a little bit and I, (laughs) and I apologize. So I think we're going to wrap up here, but I'm going to give you one last ask and that is what is the one thing that you would say to my audience to leave them you know with something uh, words of wisdom or a pearl of wisdom or something mm. besides going and finding your book besides that that is that is the only that's the only one. Um, <laughs> i would say the the right people everything flows from that one decision so it really comes back full circle to what we started talking about if you can make that decision and get comfortable and confident within yourself that you know who your right people are Mm-hmm. That changes everything. It changes how you think about yourself, how you talk about yourself, how you present yourself online and offline. It changes people's reception to you when you get really clear that you're going to work with the right people and you're not going to work with the wrong people. Mm-hmm. I was just on a podcast yesterday and somebody talked about, they tried to refer me someone that wasn't a good fit. And we all jumped on a three-way call together. And he's like, Matt was ruthless. He's like, you are not a good fit. Here's what I think you should do instead. He's like, and the guy actually tried to talk Matt into taking him on as a client and Matt wouldn't do it. It was, it was hilarious. He's like, but, but it raised my respect level with both of those guys. And, uh, and when you're, and that only comes from absolute clarity on who the right people are, because that's the people I know I can best help. I can't help everybody else as well. You know, so if you make that decision, that just makes everything easier and better. That's so great. I so enjoyed this. Thank you, Matt, for being here. And um, I'm going to put your information in the show notes so people can find you and find Microfamous. And I encourage people to listen to Matt's uh, podcast. The name of your podcast, again, is Microfamous, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, um, And we'll be talking again soon. I know I'm looking forward to being a guest on your podcast in a few months and have to line up. So busy. Uh, I know. We're we're booked into July. So I think you're coming on in June or July, but I'm excited. We'll have a good time. In June. Thank you again. And to my audience, I appreciate you all. And if you liked what you heard, please uh, leave us a review and remember to stay connected and be remembered. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast today. If this show has inspired you to reach out to connect to someone new or nurture a current or past relationship, and you think that others can benefit from listening, please share this episode. If you have feedback or questions about the episode, please leave a note in the comment sections below. If you would like to receive automatic updates of new podcast episodes, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or Stitcher or from the podcast app on your mobile device. Ratings and reviews from my listeners are extremely valuable to me and greatly appreciated. They help the podcast rank higher on iTunes, which exposes my show to more awesome listeners like you. So if you have a minute, please leave an honest review on iTunes. And remember to stay connected and be remembered.